What's up, queens? It's your host, Ro. Do you like female dating strategy? Would you like to see us expand on a lot of different platforms? Then please sign up for our Patreon. We are currently targeting a $10,000 per month goal, which would allow us to work full-time on female dating strategy content in order to expand on different platforms and upgrade our media presence. As a special thank you to our current Patreon subscribers, we will be increasing our upload rate for our bonus content to be weekly on Fridays, as well as offering a special discount for paid annual memberships. So please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. That's patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. Thank you. Let's start the show. What's up, queens? Welcome to the female dating strategy podcast, the meanest female only podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Ro. And this is Savannah. And this is Lilith. So this episode is our feedback episode. It's our 20th episode, which I can't even believe we've made it this far. We've already made it farther than 50% of podcasts. Most podcasts. 50% of podcasts never make it past episode 15. So we're killing it over here. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Wow. 20 already. That just seems so, yeah, it seems so weird. 20. It's hard to believe we just started. We kicked off in March. So... It's not been that long. Feels like it's been a long time, but not even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not not half a year yet. So another month or so we'd have been doing this for six months, but Oh my gosh. July. Yeah, we've only been doing it five months. Wow. Yeah. Makes me want to get my champagne glass and be like, Woo, cheers. <laughs> like <laughs> Cheers for a successful twenty and hopefully we'll have another twenty or a hundred or we'll see. Here's to a thousand. Here's to a thousand female dating strategy <laughs> podcast episodes. <laughs> um, so we thought since this was, um, you know, this is our first foray into doing this podcast thing that we would solicit some listener feedback and uh, get an idea of what people are liking about the pod, what's resonating with people, what's kind of things they don't like. And the number one overwhelming piece of feedback that we got is you all hate Savannah's microphone. Noted, guys. (laughs) (laughs) No cap. (laughs) So I'm pleased to say I have actually got a new microphone. This is like a gamer microphone. So it looks really cool. It's sort of like, you know, those, like when you go to the barbershop or like a brothel, it has like the red light outside. That's literally what my mic does now. So it literally, yeah, it lights up red. It's very... (laughs) It lights up red. It's very good. It's great audio quality. It has a red light. (laughs) Hopefully the audio quality is much better. It has a red light. It's got a red light. So, <laughs> so yeah, hopefully it's a better quality. But it all serious, I'm really, really flattered that you guys seem to want to hear from me more. Yeah, I think it sounds better already. It sounds promising. Yeah, I hope that my red light mic comes through for this podcast. Your brothel mic, your gamer brothel mic. And the other the other thing, too, was some of the mastering issues on our podcast, which, uh, long story short, we were mastering to the wrong levels because apparently the published levels for Spotify, iTunes are not what anybody uses. So we didn't know that. So we were, you know, we're amateurs over here. We do most of our stuff. We do most of our uh, post-production in-house, so... Actually, all of it. We have <laughs> so, to do all of our post production house. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say like, what part do we outsource? <laughs> Nothing. Yes. <laughs> Nothing actually. So what you're hearing is amateur quality post production, but we, but part of it was because 
something that we just now learned, which is that the published standards on the platforms is not what most people are following. So if you're actually following the published standards, your podcast is going to sound quiet and equalized weird and not and shit basically yeah and shit basically so we corrected that hopefully um these new episodes should sound better um starting from the last episode on um so yeah our bad guys we didn't know (laughs) but we're fixing it hopefully we'll be better this time stitched up by the podcast industry that was complete stitch up i had to learn about it on reddit so (laughs) to kind of give you an idea of like how this is actually a common problem that a lot of people who are podcasters didn't know about it so well at least reddit is good for something eh yeah true front page of the internet and all that so yeah so that was our biggest piece of feedback and hopefully we fix that to your liking uh the next thing this is my feedback to y'all Um, We can't handle subreddit issues outside of the subreddit. So there's been a few people that have spammed us on Patreon and Instagram on Twitter. Um, We cannot mod for profit. We also like don't have the same people managing a lot of the off subreddit stuff um, as on on the subreddit. So it's not all it's like it's not like there's a, a direct overlap, like everyone's managing everything. Like it's just very specific people. So if you have a question about your ban on the subreddit, don't message the website, don't message Twitter, don't message Instagram, don't message Patreon. We can't handle those issues there because those are brand issues. And if we're grounding as a brand, we have to only manage brand issues off the subreddit. You can't manage subreddit issues. Like you can't just like, um, you know, sign up for our Patreon and expect to get unbanned on the FDS subreddit because that would be like yeah. modding for profit, right? So w- those things have to be kept separately. Like Rose said, it's different people. So the people that see the Patreon are not necessarily going to be able to even see action your request on the subreddit, even if they wanted to. So it's just a bit of a waste of your time. I think if you have an issue with the subreddit, the mods on the subreddit are crazy good at what they do. Um, and because the subreddit has grown so much, you can imagine that their workload is immense. Um, they will eventually get to you, especially if you've been banned. Cause sometimes, um, because I think the subreddit, it sort of has to have a high wall to keep out people we don't want in it. Basically, it's easy to get caught up in that. Like I was banned when I was a mod, just randomly, ba- <laughs> randomly banned. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was banned when I first joined FDS. Like getting banned from FDS is not a big deal. Honestly, like we ban a lot of people, even, even our own users sometimes get caught up in auto ban or, or just even the mods have been stung by it as well. So no one's immune from it, but just drop the guys a message and they will get to you. Just be, you know, it's tricky, but just be patient and they will get to you. Yeah. Remember it's a lot of volunteers, right. And people are doing it for free. And, and I, I don't know what the other subreddits look like, but I know our workload is, I know the subreddit workload is really, really, really high. Um, so just keep in mind that you're asking people to take a lot of time to do it. And it's just not something that's necessarily people aren't really getting paid. You know what I mean? People aren't getting paid for it. Everyone is doing it on their spare time. And as much as I think people would like to respond timely to requests, it's just, it's just hard. Um Yeah. Uh, But we do have a website, which I keep trying to plug at the end of the show, because the website gives everyone a lot more freedom and a lot more um, ability to control 
who gets on to it or who doesn't versus on Reddit where we're at the mercy of their rules all the time. So, you know, I'd like to encourage anybody who's like super frustrated and fed up with the subreddit to maybe migrate to the website. And I know there's some people working behind the scenes to make the user experience and the website better, but that's also my suggestion because <laughs> I I'd like to end our dependency on Reddit at some point, you know? Yeah. Also, although I will admit our website right now is pretty glitchy and that's why we need money so that we can pay developers to make it better. So sign up for our Patreon, please, so that we can make it a better website. And then we can also have more freedom over the content. I think and a huge issue with Reddit is that we just have to be so careful about what we say. And especially as a female-only subreddit, our rope is a lot shorter than many, many other subreddits. So... Yeah, other subreddits get to be so edgy. Like, you'll see guys joking about using pit bulls to kill babies and stuff on Reddit, and you report that, and Reddit says that that does not violate their policy. But if you're a woman saying, like, I want a man to pay for dates, it's like you get a million reports, and, you know, <laughs> I got I got a three-day ban from Reddit for saying that, like, <laughs> for speaking facts. Like, <laughs> no kidding. I mean, but there are subreddits that are literally misogyny fetish, like... But that's allowed to to run. But anyway, I, I digress. Yeah, like the rules are not fair. The rules are not applied equally. But if we want to stay on Reddit, we have to work with that, unfortunately. But if we all go over to the website, then we'll have the freedom to to write, curate, share, um, you know, content in an even more unfiltered way. So if you want FDS to be even more unfiltered, I think it's quite unfiltered now, to be fair, even more unfiltered, um, and outside the gaze of the Reddit overlords, then yeah, please support our Patreon. It's not, it's, it's getting better. It's just more or less, I know there was an issue, I believe with the verified memberships for a while. So they're working behind the scenes to clean that up as well. So it's, you know, it's, it's not perfect, but it's just a slow process, but I think it's worth it. So I thought we would also talk about which episodes performed well and which ones you guys seem not to like as much. And um, if you have any feedback on our discussion of this to say, do you guys want us to keep doing these type of episodes? Um, Let us know. So some of our lower performing episodes have been the more pop culture stuff. Like we did Bridgerton. We did uh, a discussion on, on Disney and the Disneyfication of uh, of our culture, basically of our dating culture and how we understand sex and love. Um, we were thinking we would do less pop culture stuff on the pod if you guys feel any you know strongly either way. The focus has been to get back into strategy and more back to basics, FDS core principles, right? Because I think people who are not on the subreddit may have missed all that stuff. And we took it for granted that they had read a lot of the things on the subreddit. But I, I'm, I'm kind of getting that we're picking up an audience that's not super duper familiar with the subreddit. So they'd like to hear us discuss some of these concepts in more detail, which we will. Which was our best performing episode? Was it the male socialization one and the Gail Dines one? It was Gail Dines. I think those are the two best. Queen Gail. Yeah, kudos to Gail. And then Boomers, Coomers, and Consumers. You guys liked that one. That that was kind of after our our sex work Twitter beef too. But that one is still consistently yeah. performing pretty well. People like that liked that one. And that was a more of a core FDS principle discussion type episode. 
Yeah. I mean, we love roasting men here. That's what a big part of what we do. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I've been wanting to do a female socialization episode. I think that's more complicated, though, because with men, it's easy. It's like porn, video games, boomer relationship dynamics, and red pill shit. That's why men are trash. Like, there's you can easily identify three, four, five things that contribute to male trashness nowadays. With female socialization, it's like so multi-layered and there's so many little things, you know, that add up throughout your childhood that add to, that create, you know, pick-me's and, and that sort of thing. I feel like that's so much more complicated to address. So it might take me a while to get around to that, but we'll probably touch on that eventually. Let, let us know if you want that. I'll make it higher priority. Yeah, I think we there's so many pieces to that. We can probably break that down and we can do like five episodes about that. <laughs> yeah, a long-term series where we attack different parts of the culture and just say, this is the kind of messaging that we're getting as women that's contributing to the pygmisha behaviors, which we, we do some on the Patreon bonus content too. Yeah, and I mean, we talk, we talk about that a little bit in almost every episode, but we just haven't had a dedicated female socialization episode. So yeah, we'll see. It's so multifaceted. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll go, we'll dive into that. Um, and we just, we took all your feedback on the different episode topics you wanted us to cover. So I was actually pretty surprised that most of the feedback was just about requesting specific topics. Yeah. Yeah. Requesting specific topics and not dragging us for whatever. <laughs> so that means that you guys are fans. You like us for real. No, the only thing they dragged was the audio quality and Savannah's mic. Yeah. 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 The biggest drag was the audio, <laughs> which we're working on it. All right. Yeah. So other than that, like we'll take all your ideas down and we'll plan some episodes around those. So thanks. Thanks you guys. That's probably like a year's worth of podcasts right there. Just from that one thread. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. And actually the, the, the strategy, um, I found the strategy, um, uh, podcasts really, like really enjoyable to record. Actually, it was nice. Obviously like Queen Gale is like in a different, in a different, in a different category. That was another level. Wow. It was was another (laughs) level, but in terms of the the episodes between the three of us, I, I found, I found those really enjoyable because it was almost like basics, like going back to basics with FDS. And if you've been around on FDS for long enough, you'll see how the subreddit has evolved. I mean, we touched on this briefly in, um, in one of our episodes, um, as to why that was, but it's, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's returning to its, you know, roots, but yeah, it was nice to go back to, um, to FDS 101 in those episodes, I think. Yes. Yeah. I think we want to do more because a lot of people who are listening to the podcast for the first time are not familiar with Reddit or don't use Reddit. And so we do want to have more episodes coming up where we talk about, yeah, FDS 101, um, go through posts in the, in the handbook or have episodes centered around handbook posts, if that makes sense. Yeah. Or just around the concepts, you know, yeah. the general, the general core ideas that made FDS blow up the way that it did, as opposed to every other dating subreddit and every other type of girl boss subreddits there were. So what set us apart was specific principles and specific ideas and the way that we integrated our cultural critique with uh, our dating strategies, which I think actually significantly 
changed a lot of people's mindset, you know, people that were already in the immersed in the whole dating level up culture, because especially if you're an Instagram user, there's so much of that (laughs) on Instagram, but FDS in particular is somewhat unique in the fact that we are able to weave real feminist theory, cultural critique, dating uh, strategies for individuals into a complete coherent ideological package for people, I think is what has made our particular brand of uh, dating advice be so potent and be so potent as to be, as to have been picked up by mainstream media. Like we're worrisome to mainstream media in a way that I don't see a lot of these other girl boss type uh, brands are. So you have to wonder like, why are they so specifically threatened by us? Yeah. They freak out more about us than any other type of dating advice stuff that I see. It's very satisfying to watch actually. Yeah, it's because we come for them. We come for the media because we kind of point out that a lot of the cultural messaging that women are getting that's just point blank unhealthy uh, is coming from them. So they don't really like the spotlight <laughs> turned on them, I think, is part of it. And then also the the porn machine. The porn machine is going to keep trying to protect itself. So there's always, you know, this, uh, this uh, knee-jerk reaction to any medium that's critical of porn. So especially, you know, they always like to paint it as anti-feminist or that you're some kind of religious conservative rather than giving honest critique of why this is actually probably bad for most women. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, but it's it's also quite refreshing as well. I've seen, um, you know, men who are clearly the opposite of religious conservatives being very anti-porn, not necessarily because of the abuse and exploitation of women, but because they see to some degree the, um, the damage and just the worthlessness of the whole industry. So... Um, and I'm sort of glad that the arguments against porn are actually shifting, you know, from the religious argument of, um, you know, it's, you know, to, to more academic and more, and more tangible arguments as well. Because anyone can argue with, oh, God doesn't want you to watch it, but <laughs> you can't argue when you've got, you know, porn induced erectile dysfunction. That is a bad thing, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, and I'm so glad we were able to get Gail Dines because she gave us a lot of insight about how the media is just completely locking out any type of serious analysis on porn. They're complicit. Right? Like you can't get porn critical stuff published, even if there's even if there's a ton of evidence. They just won't pick it up and sensationalize it the way that they try to normalize porn usage and which is which is really, really concerning. Because it's ideological capture of the media. I bow to you, Queen Gale. I'm bowing and bowing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, maybe in the future we'll get her back on the pod when we have something more interesting to talk about. But yeah, she was a great guest. And um, they were really, we were really surprised, but also ecstatic to get her because it was, um, that was a very informative episode. Um, so one of the things we asked her during that episode, which was really, really insightful was how she raised her son to be a high value man or how she raised her son to be porn critical, have feminist values. Um, That was part of a larger discussion we were trying to mount about how do we raise high value men from children to adults? 
none of us here are parents and we can only go from our personal experience being children and the experience that we have uh, interacting with boys when we were children. Um, but we're not boys and we don't have boys. So we were trying to get a variety of perspectives of how to raise boys into high value men. And we ended up talking to one person who was a childhood educator on one of our episodes who had some ideas about how she was working in her classroom to encourage boys to be more fair, be more high value, take an interest in their studies and their community, how to redirect some of the boys that were aggressive. And that episode ended up being kind of controversial. Yeah. So this episode with Zoe, where um, we wanted to invite a childhood educator onto the show to talk about, you know, child development related type of stuff and how to raise um, men to be high value, how to raise boys to be uh, high value. Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to address the question that was, that's asked a lot on our subreddit, you know, how do I raise my son to be a good man? And it's, it's a difficult question to answer because there's, uh, so many factors that go into, you know, cultural factors that go into creating low value men and the usual answers on the subreddit, are, you know, you can't, or there's no point, you know, there's too many cultural forces working against us and so on. Um, you know, the only kind of parenting advice that we give just because we're not parents ourselves is like, just have kids with a high value man. And, you know, um, that's not really helpful to people who already have kids. Right. Um, and so the, the idea that Zoe had pitched to me that I liked was that she wanted to address how boys socialize one another to be hostile to girls. She wrote me this paragraph, um, you know, about how the simple phrase, you know, bro, that's so messed up can be so powerful because men tend to seek the approval of other men. And so her objective in her classroom is to instill attitudes in boys when they're young, to feel a sense of pride in standing up for girls and holding other boys accountable, which she hopes will carry over into adulthood. And I, of course, love this idea because what we see nowadays is men have a very strong class consciousness with one another and they use misogyny to oppress women. Um, and so I read that paragraph and thought like, yes, like if we just break up that class consciousness that boys have for one another and teach boys to seek the approval from women and girls and have positive male role models instead of misogynistic bullies to imitate, you know, we'd all be much better off. Um, but altogether, I, I would say that our framing of this episode was not great. Um, we kind of derailed it and ended up talking about, you know, gender roles more generally rather than what we'd originally planned and what the idea that was originally pitched to me. Um, and so that's on us for, for not framing it or for not guiding the conversation in the right way. Um, you know, a lot of under, uh, uh, commenters were, um, under a lot of commenters were angry with this take and talked about how gender roles, you know, negatively affected them and their childhood and so on. Right. Um, a lot of the feedback was actually really valid. So, you know, let's, let's talk about it. Um, I think I, I'm actually just going to read one comment. I had a few comments here that I wanted to read, but I think the most important one, which summarizes the issue really well, um, was the top upvoted comment was, uh, Eve Lowe wrote, uh, Eve Lowe wrote, I'm not going to lie. This podcast was a little hard to get through. One, I'm not sure how qualified the guest was to speak on childhood development in an academic sense, which is what I would expect from an expert. Uh, two, I didn't like the emphasis on femininity if that hadn't been, as it hadn't been actually defined. Are we talking about wearing the color pink, which is benign, or ascribing a better label to women to stay at home and labor for their ungrateful families? Three, 
men as protector from other men is played out and has been used to oppress women since however long. I think it's just as good to teach kindness to everyone. I'm not sure how much of an effect testosterone plays in the development of children before puberty, so I was surprised to hear that statement go unchallenged. I was looking forward and oh, for I was looking forward to this episode. I'm sad it didn't live up to expectations. Not every guest has the kind of presence that these three amigas do. Please don't be afraid to challenge the guests as they can go off on a tangent. The last one sounded like a red pill woman, honestly. Uh, so first of all, like I don't think Zoe's a red pill woman. Well, it's difficult to talk about it because it, it's like she is talking about gendered play, right? Yeah. And I know it's very taboo. It's very taboo to talk about, like, average personality differences between men and women or boys and girls because, you know, historically it's used to discriminate against women. But at the same time, I don't think that we're doing ourselves any favor by pretending like uh, men and women are cognitively the same. I mean, I I don't believe... Here's the thing. I don't believe in a strict gender binary where men are always one way and women are always the opposite. Um, A lot of comments... There was one comment that wrote, you know, a lot of these are human traits and not male or female traits. And that's absolutely true. So things like, you know, kindness, empathy, wanting to take care of, you know, your family and so on. Uh, even, you know, being a protector or pro- provider, right? Like women, you know, mothers protect and provide for their family as well. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think the, the issue and probably why people were making the connection to red pill women is because a lot of those concepts and those terms are traditional conservative ideas of thinking about, what a male versus a female role in society is. And then I think when we got deeper into the, the, the game that she was teaching them, like princesses versus cops and robbers, it, you know, it it came across like it was, it was very gendered um, in the way that she was encouraging them to play. And there is not exactly, again, a consensus. I think the comment was spot on about like, what are we talking about when we talk about what's femininity? What are we talking about when it's talking about what's masculinity? And I think that's where, um, we could have framed it better from the concept of what FDS is. Um, and then maybe got a better sense of that with Zoe before we interviewed her. Yeah. Because a lot of comments were talking about wanting to abolish gender roles and FDS. We, we are not, we are not about ab- abolishing gender roles. I'll be, I'll be blunt. Like, um, <laughs> you know, expecting men to pay for dates is a gender role. Right? It's a gendered role. Yeah. I was going to say. A gender role is an expectation of behavior based on sex. And, you know, we we're happy to deconstruct, you know, a lot of people had the assumption that if we expect men to be protectors and providers, that that means that women are naturally submissive and useless or whatever. And I want to, if there's one thing I want to make clear with FDS, it's that you can have expectations for male behavior without having to completely sell your soul to the devil and be like a submissive trad wife to get that. Um, I think having expectations specifically for men are necessary as a way of equalizing like the biological uh, disadvantages that women have. Right. Um, Having expectations for people based on their sex alone is not bad. And I think we address this in the episode. It's just that the patriarchal gender roles are what are toxic. Right. Well, it's, I mean, the way that FDS has always framed it has been primarily sex-based differences. Like, we think that men should pay for dates and that men should provide because women are at a disadvantage in society and they need to prove, like, investment and so on. Like, so we're against things like 50-50 relationships because, you know, men can't go 50-50 on childbirth. 
Yeah, we've always approached it like a strategy and the strategy is informed by a biological sex, right? Because there yeah. are sex differences between men and women. Those are immutable. You can't really change those things as long as we're doing the vast majority of the reproductive workload, as long as we're on average smaller and weaker than them, as long as our sexuality is pretty divergent in a lot of places, that's going to put us at odds and at uh, it's going to put us at odds with each other a lot of times. And at some, and generally when we're at odds, women are disadvantaged. So the idea behind female dating strategy was to look at it from a strategic standpoint rather than an ideological bubble where like, there should be no gender roles. Everyone should be equal. Everyone should be the same. Because a lot of times when we talk about things being the same or being equal, it ends up privileging men because we, we end up as women having to ignore the fact that we have specific biological needs and differences from men, right? So female dating strategy is the idea that as a female, we have to try to identify the needs we actually have and then push forward on strategies that are going to give us the best return in our investment with men, right? So the issue then becomes you know, it can be co-opted by more conservative traditional narratives who have this idea that like, you know, (laughs) if you look at old evangelical Christian texts or like the religious, right, it's like God made one man and one woman, male and female, he created the, you know, like they have that whole attitude towards men and women that you can't ever be outside of a specific gender roles. And and often those gender roles assigned to sex don't fit most men or women, right? It's things like submission, things like aggression, things like uh, uh, being a better leader. These These are not sex assigned concepts. I honestly think women are better leaders than men, to be honest. Right. Well, these aren't sex assigned concepts. These are, these are gender roles. These don't have anything to do with your biological sex per se, right? Your, the reproductive thing is very much tied to your biological sex, but the other ideas around gender are not actually tied to your biological sex. So I think where the episodes start to veer off a little bit is because there are some concepts and when we started talking more into the princesses, cops and robbers that veered off into things that weren't necessarily tied to biological sex and were more things like, oh, political leadership or uh, being aggressive or being assertive. And those are qualities that both men and women can have um, in equal measure that aren't necessarily tied to just your sex. So that's where I think it got a little bit off of FDS and more into a conservative type viewpoint. The other thing I want to point out is that there are more to gender roles that like gender roles as a concept is is more than just like 1950s housewife and financially abusive husband. Um, Like gender roles, as in the expectations of your behavior based on your sex, vary from one culture to another. In my view, FDS gender roles are really just, uh, you know, women exert a lot of decision-making power, not all of it, but the majority I'd say. And that if men want the privilege of our company, they should respect that. That's what, that's how I envision how we should tweak gender roles such that they benefit women. I mean, I think it's an ongoing discussion because like you said, it just depends on the environment. I think for our purposes, like since we're a strategy, I hope, I hope that we're very, I, I hope that we're very flexible on that. And obviously there's some cultures that allow for a lot more flexibility in that area. Other cultures that don't. The idea being that like wherever you you are as a woman, whatever culture you're in, figuring out how to strategically benefit uh, yourself in a relationship. And generally that starts with your sex-based needs. So I will say it's not even really gender roles so much as it's just like sex roles. Like legit, even if, like, even if you're diehard uh, liberal don't believe in the concept of that gender is assigned to sex, that 
if you're a man, you don't have to be any type of traditional masculine. You can embody every type of non-binary, feminine, androgynous characteristics you want. That doesn't really change FDS that much because at the end of the day, women still take on most of the risk, right? And because of our biological sex. So a lot of the other gender roles that are sort of assigned around our biological sex are just roles that society pushes on people because sex-based divisions of labor make sense, but sometimes are not always fair, right? Um, Or they're just you know, men trying to exert control via patriarchy. So they'll say things like women aren't good with money or good with finance. And then, you know, then finance becomes a masculine gender role. And that's not really true. And then men control all the money. Convenient how that works out. Right. So, so basically for our purposes, we, we tend to focus on the immutable sex differences between men and women and then all the other stuff outside of that. I mean, and, and if you've seen, you know, fine as fuck Fridays, Women have really varied taste as far as the kinds of men we find sexually attractive. So it's not even it's not even that every man has to be like the most masculine manly man. Like this should work. FDS should hopefully work no matter what aesthetic or you know the guy that you're dating is. If you like a traditional, you know, wood chopping, fishing, hunting type man, it should work. If you like a guy who's a coastal coffee sipping, book smart guy it should work right i it's it's because it's based on sex and not you know a cultural thing and not from the idea that there are certain things that men are only men should be involved in or only women should be involved in which i think separates us significantly from trad cons yeah trad cons the whole like men are protector and providers is a justification to keep women um in the financially subordinate role you know at fds we say you should a man should pay for dates, but also you should be financially independent. You shouldn't rely on a man financially. And a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their mind around that. They think if men should pay for dates, then that means he owns you. Right. Which is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> that's him earning his keep around here. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's men earning their keep. Okay. Like we don't have to give up our freedom in order to, for a guy to pay for dinner. Like we can have expectations for how men should act in terms of, I almost want to say that, like, if you were to make the argument that one sex was more naturally more suited to protecting and providing, I'd say uh, it would be females, definitely. Like, if you look at nature, you know, uh, females of all species, you know, have that natural instinct to protect and provide for their young. Um, males of all species, a lot of them, some some males like geese, for example, will stick around and will help to raise the babies and stuff and also have those same instincts. But it's not a guarantee. There are a lot of um, species where like the male mates with the female and then they just like fuck off and she raises the young by herself. Right. Um, in humans, I'd say both males and females have that drive to protect for your young or, or to protect your young. Right. Um, or, or to protect and provide for your young. But I will say that with men, it's almost like there needs to be a gender role to compel them to do something, you know, just, just to make sure that they stick around and help raise those kids as opposed to just going around and being a fuck boy. Right. So this is an ongoing conversation. I, you know, that was a, a little bit of a slice of life episode where we talked to one person about how they were addressing the gender role issue. I think we're going to get some input from a variety of guests about, how they're handling the situation, what kinds of uh, sex-based differences they're noticing between men and women, get some experts on, talk to mothers, talk to 
you know, women who have been immersed in this dis- discussion, women who have children, women who raise children, women who research children, women who research adults too, to kind of get an idea of what kinds of qualities and traits, what kinds of quality and traits to instill in them, how to do it, what kinds of incentives to provide, what kinds of consequences to provide if they fail to live up to those things. I think, I mean, that's not a simple question. And I think that was just one person's opinion and one person's one perspective you know uh, going for it i think we'll frame it better and just say okay this is like one discussion and so you guys kind of know that we don't this is one one topic that we don't have a definitive idea about so we're trying to get a variety of perspectives and this was one perspective it's not necessarily like the official fds and then people um commented and asked us like why we didn't push back more it's because we invited her on right <laughs> like, yeah and so it wasn't i mean we're new to this so the idea of like yeah i don't want to be too much of an asshole to the guests that we have on it wasn't a gotcha interview yeah yeah uh, plus she was um yeah she was younger in her career someone who's a a do- has a doctorate in a field they're used to feeling people's questions. They're used to being challenged. She was somewhat new to this. And so it wasn't a, a matter of us going in and trying to grill her on all her opinions um, because she wasn't like necessarily a, an established field expert, right? It was just a person who was expressing what she's doing in her classroom. So Yeah, and I do want to point add that we do, at FDS, we do want to platform women's voices, even if they're not, uh, you know, a subject matter expert in a given uh, field, you know, uh, we think that lived experiences, um, while it might not have, you know, the same broad appeal, but it's still, um, you know, listening to mothers, listening to teachers and so on and talking about their personal experiences and their personal opinions. I think those can be just as, as, uh, you know, you can still learn from those just as much as you could learn from an expert in an academic sense. And in fact, like I, I've, I've noticed a growing almost like disconnect between academic discourse on how things should be done or how things are supposed to be done and how things like the lived reality on the ground for women. Right. So we're almost trying to yeah. bridge those two perspectives. Yeah. Academia is really prone to ideological capture, which is something Gail, Dan- Gail Dines was talking about is that, you know, she's like, today I could never get tenure making anti-porn criticism. And yeah. she said that very explicitly in her interview. It's it's so academia is just because someone's an academic doesn't mean they're right. That's another thing I see in lib fem media is they'll get like some some idiot and be like, well, they're a therapist, therefore everything they say is right. And then they'll go on this whole tirade about how BDSM is super great and healthy for you. And it's like, you know, you can find an a- academic or a you know person with a degree or a PhD say any stupid shit, right? So yeah. having someone who actually lives and works in this field is going to have a very different perspective than someone who's uh, being paid to promote a certain ideology. He's the, yeah, yeah, precisely. Precisely. So we got some good feedback and some good takeaways. So we'll take that feedback from you guys going forward and uh, we'll try to answer this question as best we know how. We're, we're trying to get a variety of perspectives to answer this question because this is an ongoing conversation. So the next piece of feedback we got that we just wanted to talk about because it was really, really impactful um, and really kind of made us feel like, okay, we're doing something that really matters here. Every time we see that FDS principles or ideas have materially improved people's lives and caused them to stop self-harming, self-sabotaging, putting themselves into situations that just aren't healthy for them overall, or following a lot of the lib femme ideological nonsense that just gets so many women caught up and end up really, really unhappy. Um, 
So one of the pieces of feedback we got was from a sex worker who listened to our our uh, discussion of OnlyFans Twitter and uh, ended up wanting to get out of sex work. Yeah. So yeah, this was um, it was it was a tearjerker for me because I think that when you know when you start doing this work or working in this space, trying to challenge you know patriarchal norms, trying to 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 show women that they don't have to settle for whatever shit is served to them it honestly feels like you know you're trying to bail water out of the atlantic it feels like you're just not gonna get anywhere so when we get stories like the one i'm about to read out it almost makes all of the effort and the grind and the constant you know trolling and just the basically the backlash it almost makes you know all of it worth it um, okay, so this story is from Illustrious Stream uh, 751, and the title is, I'm an escort and a cam girl, and the FDS podcast made me realise I need to quit. Okay, so on last week's episode, there was a moment, there was a moment when one of the hosts says, I don't hate sex workers because when I see a sex worker, I think she's not that different from me. She's one of my sisters. I had to pause it because I broke down crying. There were so many moments in this episode that resonated with that resonated with me but that sentence alone brought to the surface so many emotions I didn't even know I had and all this time I was thinking swerfs uh, which is uh, sex worker exclusionary radical feminists is that correct yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and all this time I was thinking good, good, that the evil swerfs are my enemy uh, but it made me realize that this is just another way to keep women divided and fighting each other instead of the patriarchy. And you three ladies that, that talk about us in a more humanizing way than most of my clients. I'm going to break pause here, but I, I've, I've never understood it when you know, sex workers say, oh my gosh, my clients treat me with so much respect. If you see the way men... Um, you know, talk about sex workers, the way they openly admit that the only reason why they see one is because, she, you know, she would be willing to do things that a normal woman, in quotation marks, because they see them as less than a normal woman um, would do. It's just, it's just horrific. The other thing is that the respect that a client has for his, uh, uh, for the sex worker, for the sex worker is entirely conditional on her compliance. And so if she has any boundaries or says like, no, I don't want to do this sex act or, you know, um, there's some Twitter accounts I follow that are really horrific and will share stories about like anytime she, you know, maybe asked him to wear a condom or something like that, he'll go crazy and then leave bad reviews on the escort pages. Right. So a lot of escorts apparently, feel pressure to do certain things because they know that they're going to get a bad review if they don't. Right. And so the respect that they have for you is only conditional on you being obedient. It's not real respect, but anyways. Uh, So back to the story. So I'm an escort and a cam girl and I found the female dating strategy um, because of that Twitter thread. Um, So the Twitter thread she is referring to is the one where um, FDS basically went after sex work Twitter. Yeah, we went over in the whole episode. But I mean, the the general gist of it, if you haven't heard that episode, was that there's a there's a double minded speak right now when we talk about sex workers between the mainstream face of sex work, which is often very white, very privileged. A lot of them, a lot of them have millions of followers on OnlyFans or Instagram or Twitter, and they sometimes publish content that's 
very problematic, meaning things that are centered around sexual abuse, things that are centered around incest, things that are racist, things that are, uh, I mean, obviously flat out misogynist. And so the idea was to start to talk, bridge the conversation to say, hey, not all sex workers are being marginalized victims. And in fact, I feel like the the mainstream sex workers have the microphone and are often uh, contributing to a lot of problematic content and normalizing things that would be considered sexual abuse. And that if they're going to be content creators, then they should be treated like every other content creator. Whereas that if they make questionable content, I think it's okay for us to discuss and call it out, which they didn't really like because, you know, they feel there's, there's some people who are like, well, sex workers are marginalized in society. And I'm like, not you, you have millions of followers on Twitter, right? Like, I don't really, you have more, you have more followers than we have. You have more, you know, you have a microphone and a voice and the things that you're platforming are quite frankly, really, really making a mockery of women's abuse. Right. So that was the discussion with OnlyFans, sex work, Twitter. It's not, that's not a discussion about sex work as a whole, because obviously there are people within this, uh, profession that are really, really, really marginalized, especially like people who are doing full, what they call full service sex work, which I actually just, I, it feels like it's almost making it to, it's, it's covering up for what is prostitution, which prostitution can be very, very dehumanizing to women and women who are actually on the fringes and margins of society, women who are homeless, women who are drug addicted, women who are mentally ill, women who are just barely making ends meet. But the conversation has been co-opted by these very privileged sex workers who just want to make money and then attack anybody who would make uh, any kind of commentary on the content that they produce. So that was kind of the focus of that episode. Yeah. So continuing. Uh, So I admit at first I was caught up in the heat of the moment and thought it was highly tone deaf and offensive. But as soon as I listened to the male socialisation episode of the podcast, I was hooked and I immediately binged all of the other episodes and and was left hungry for more. And you ladies are so smart, funny and articulate and your message is so needed. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you for addressing what you meant by those tweets in this episode because it may have just saved my life um i couldn't sleep after listening to the sex work episode and i was tossing and turning all night reevaluating my life oh shucks (laughs) yeah it's it's to kind of jump in here i mean that was part of the reason why you addressed it because there's so many women that get caught up they get lied to about the glamour of this industry, right? Because the women who are the most successful at it... And they get groomed, essentially. They get groomed. And it's a multi-level marketing scheme, right? A lot of these women who are successful are successful because they're getting kickbacks for recruiting new women. And they might not actually be successful. They're just kind of putting on that image to get more money. And so what ends up happening is you have like people who are 17 and a half being like, I can't wait till I'm 18 and do an OnlyFans thinking this is going to be a path to money. Younger, like 14 year old girls on TikTok are saying that shit. Yeah. It's disturbing to see girls being groomed into what is an exploitative dehumanizing industry for women. Right. And so we were calling, you know, we're calling out the sex workers that are doing this. And then, you know, it's hard to say, it's hard to, you know, draw a line between, you know, yes, if you're an adult, you can do whatever you want. But at the same time, like, let's not actually recruit girls into this industry that they're never going to actually own or control. Because like we said there, the house always wins. Men are the primary clientele. The demands from men are, it's not like they just say, okay, well, that's enough sex now. 
And that's, that's dehumanizing and degrading enough. They don't have an off switch. So, Mm. (laughs) you know, um, we just started to see that some of that, that messaging was just capitalism gone awry where Pornhub, OnlyFans, all those, uh, all those entities, they have a PR arm. And a lot of times it's liberal feminist privileged sex workers who glamorize what's really going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, and okay. So back to what the luscious dreamers were saying. Um, because like, when I was a little girl, I had all these dreams about changing the world. And now I'm sleeping with old men for money. And I disassociate every time I have sex. And I thought to myself, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Uh, browsing the subreddit, uh, browsing the subreddit since then has really solidified my decision that I need to quit this line of work. Um, especially that post, uh, sex work is just another way for patriarchy to keep women out of the workforce. In the past few months, I've been feeling, in the past few months, I've been feeling, um, but more and more negative about my job. It's making me depressed. And when I'm not working, I just lie in bed looking at memes to distract myself from feeling like shit about myself. I'm one of those uh, former gifted kids and it makes me sick to my stomach to think about all the teachers who recommended me, who supported me, who told me I had so much potential and I just feel so much shame like they would be disappointed in me for what I'm doing now. I want to say, girl, you're not a former gifted kid. You're still, you're still gifted. You're a gifted woman. You still, you still have a future. You're, you're gifted. You're only a former gifted kid in that you're now a gifted woman. Okay. Like you're going to go there and you're going to have a perfectly good life. Uh, you ladies inspired me to actually put my degree, which is in social work, which is an amazing degree, um, to good news. And my dream now is to become a social worker who supports other sex workers. And I hope to use my experience to help them leave this industry and transition to civilian work. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, that that gets me emotional, even now. I'm, I'm smiling so much. This is just amazing. Um, I mean, I know that... Um, because yeah, and, and I really, really commend her for doing this because as it's not easy for a sex worker to transition into the civilian life, as they call it. Um, so I really, really commend her for being honest and having the awareness that, that she can do better. And because it's easy to fall into that trap of sex work, um, because you see sex workers, um, you know, falling in and out of the industry because they just, they just cannot acclimatize to not being a sex worker um, because in some respects it's all that they've known. Um, and there's this idea in the sex worker industry that being a sex worker is, is easier in quotation marks than working a civvy job because you get to set your own schedule and you get to do things on your terms. And it's all an illusion. Ultimately, it's all a massive, massive illusion. I mean, there's just something so powerful for, you know, having complete control and ownership of your own sexuality. Yes. Yeah. And that's why I think we just advocate so strongly to not have your sexuality be part of your job. I mean, it's just that at minimum, you're, you're taking a part of yourself that should be shared at your leisure and at your pleasure and making it into something that's done for men, you know, often at your expense. And that I'm not, just just that alone, you know, regardless of like what you feel about, you know, the right of someone to uh, be a sex worker, meaning, meaning legally, it's just we just more or less take 
the discussion about it to the point, to the place where we discuss, like, what is it actually physically and mentally doing to most women? And it just does not seem good short-term or long-term. And most sex workers will say that long-term to have your entire life be based around making yourself into a sexual object for men, often at the expense of your own desire. Yeah. Sexuality is a very basic thing. (laughs) And very personal thing. She then goes on to say, a big part of the reason why sex workers are trying to normalise sex work as any ordinary profession is precisely because we are, is precisely because we are afraid of, you know, of essentially what might happen when we try to leave. Deep down, we know that society won't accept us once we are contaminated, in quotation marks. So that's why we are trying to change that. Well, and on that front, I want to say, there should be zero issue with women who want to leave the profession, leaving the profession. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's like feminists. Like here, here's the thing. It's not feminists that are making it hard to reintegrate into society. Right. It's <laughs> men being sexist. Bing, right? bing, bing. And, the, and they'll say like, oh, but the feminists are perpetuating the like logic that blah, 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 that makes us oppressed. And I'm like, okay, but who cares if they're perpetuating it? Like, or even they're not they're not perpetuating it but if you say they're perpetuating it they didn't create it it's men who created it and it's the men who really perpetuate it like the focus on swerfs is a trojan horse it's it's a way for to blame women for again men's behavior it's, it's not generally women who are the primary consumers of sex uh sexual related content most of the time when you're talking about relationships it's men saying i won't date a woman who's been a sex worker or i won't hire a woman who's been a sex worker that new york post article that came out about the emt that was moonlighting as an OnlyFans uh cam girl that was written by a man right like most of the stuff is men gatekeeping this it's not quote-unquote swerves like normalizing sex work isn't going to make men not misogynistic right? They're still going to have that, you know, Madonna whore complex, you know, trying to make every woman a prostitute isn't going to make them not, (laughs) it's going to make them devalue women even more, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really the issue because, and also not respect our boundaries as much. And that's been the issue between people who are like, I would say anti- normalizing sex work and people who are pro-normalizing sex work, especially in the age of Me Too, it's like, no, 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 we need to be able to say it's not okay to commodify us, period. If you start to try to normalize this, then you're normalizing this as like a form of currency and and a form of payment and a profession, then that means that any woman could be subject to this. And a lot of women are like, no, we want to make sure that there are clear boundaries here that women are not for sale. We don't have to be for sale. The suggestion that we're for sale is should be insulting, right? Um, we don't want to be approached like a you know a porn star. We don't want to be treated like sex objects, especially outside of our choosing, which is in the bedroom, right? Uh, or a lot of the, the animosity towards quote unquote swerfs is because they're perceiving that because swerfs don't want to quote unquote normalize the profession of sex work. It's that they're trying to always marginalize these women, but it's more or less saying that you have to have clear boundaries around the things men are allowed to do. And one of them should be, you are not allowed to purchase or demand sexual uh, favors from women in exchange for money, especially the most desperate women. But now I realise that this attempt to normalise sex work also has the unintended consequence of grooming young girls into an industry that will ultimately destroy them. Yes. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) Yeah, that line is so powerful. 
so so powerful um and in the end um she actually gave a further update where um she said that she actually got a job so yeah yay amazing yeah um we are so happy for you illustrious dream and yeah keep rocking it keep rocking it so the next feedback we got um on the feedback thread was asking us what we're doing with the brand and I thought we could preview some of that here. We could talk about the direction we wanted to go. Um, so you heard it here first. Right now we're workshopping two new podcasts. Uh, one will be focused on politics. Um, the vision we have for it right now is, is for it to be a bipartisan coalition of women focused on female first political issues, how to attack the system. And that means the political, economic, financial, social, legal system to benefit women. You know, we touched a little bit on that in the El Kamihira podcast, where she talked about Jennifer's law and coercive control and how these power structures work together to uh, oppress women who are going through different types of violence. We want to focus on that specifically and focus on how you know, both on the left and the right, there can be more discussion about how to push forward female first policy. So we're workshopping that right now. We're looking for a more conservative host to uh, put forth some more conservative ideas and uh, who's really tapped into that culture. So, um, you know, we're looking through our our, uh, our diehard FDS membership for our more conservative users to get an idea of someone else who would like to participate in that pod and could talk intelligently on conservative issues. Um, so that's number one. I think we're all kind of excited about that one. So I just want to jump in and say for any people who are like maybe uh, spotty senses tingling at the phrases bipartisanship and conservative and stuff, I want to be clear that it's the only the reason why it's been challenging to find that type of host because most of uh, FDSers are uh, you know liberal or or left wing. So uh, I don't want people to think like, oh my gosh, you're like butting up with conservatives. No, it's just that we want to create a dialogue from both sides of the aisle. Because if there's one thing I've learned over the past few years is that the left doesn't really have women's best interests at heart, and the left leftists can be just as misogynistic as conservatives. And so we almost want to like look past that and form a coalition of women, regardless of your political beliefs, to advance like female first uh, needs. Right. And it, I mean, and it's it's the crux of the culture wars, too, because you have to remember not everybody lives in a coastal si- city, uh, went to an Ivy League school or went to a you know, liberal arts college and ha- lives that way culturally. And there's a whole swath of women who are often left out of the conversation of quote unquote feminism because they don't live that kind of liberal cultural value but i don't think that they're not feminist it's just not they're not always it's not feminism isn't always presented in a way that shows that it actually has benefit for them right like one of the the clearest eye examples of that not to get too deep into political discussion but it's like when we were talking about hillary clinton and her run against donald trump and people were like why are so women so why are so many women voting against women's interests by voting for trump well a lot of these women that voted for trump live in places where their communities have been economically devastated. They don't really give a crap that like someone like Hillary Clinton gets a corner office and doesn't feel like she represents them because they're like, you're not representing the issues that are actually going to affect me as a woman directly right now in my life. And so the attempt on being bipartisan is so that we can uh, address people who 
are not quote unquote a traditional feminist, but also, you know, still want to push pro female policies. There's plenty of people on the conservative side who, you know, they're not necessarily tr- traditional liberal feminists, but they have um, female first attitudes. They understand that uh, patriarchy is often often a power structure. Um, they're they're fighting on their side as well against more patriarchal and uh, you know tendencies and and fighting against more patriarchal narratives you know in in conservatism. So we just think there's room to talk to women on the right um, as well as us over here, our us lefties, <laughs> uh, about what they're doing in their communities to push uh, pro female policy. So that that's that's what we're workshopping. We want to get a variety of perspectives. Again, this is not like a um, you know, we're a female first podcast and we, we do try to be inclusive of people regardless of their political affiliation. Um, cause essentially if we can find the common ground between women and, and keep, uh, keep, uh, what's keep on code as they, as they say, as the kids say, we can stay on code as women and, uh, pr- privilege ourselves and, um, push forward policies that'll help us. I think, um, Ultimately, that's a good thing. So that's podcast number one. Uh, podcast number two is about, it's going to be a true crime-esque podcast from the FDS lens. But again, still workshopping this. The idea behind it being we want to look at uh, historical crimes um, as well as key historical figures and their relationships with women, uh, the kinds of red flags and things that maybe would have been picked up by FDS, as well as showing insight into how the men's behavior could have been predicted by some of their behavior with women. I think one of the most infamous examples is obviously someone like Hitler. (laughs) Hitler was essentially an incel for most of his life. So there's there's just so much material there. Yeah, like FDS true crime spinoff. We're still workshopping it. Like I said, these are in their nascent state uh, stages, and we're we're targeting you know sometime in in fall to get these launched. So um, stay tuned. That's where we're going with the brand. That way, we're also working on the website. Uh, we are ramping up our Instagram presence. We're really trying to overall end our dependency on Reddit. And I know Reddit's really great because we have a huge platform. And I think, I think part of the reason why we got so much media coverage is because we're on Reddit and Reddit is just frequent frequented by so many people in the media versus if we had started on our own website, we may not have gotten the, uh, the coverage that we enjoy now. So it's a love hate relationship with Reddit right now. Uh, uh, mostly hate, probably like 85% hate, but, uh, you know, it did give us a platform that we may not have gotten otherwise. So, uh, we are going to, you know, obviously stay on Reddit as long as they'll have us, but we do, we don't like that we're so dependent on them. But, you know, tell your friends, like a lot of uh, podcasts travel through word of mouth. So if you like what you hear and you keep liking what you hear, then just, just uh, make sure to let your friends know. That's our feedback episode, guys. So um, if you have feedback on the feedback, <laughs> you can, uh, you let can post know. it in the, uh, in the weekly episode thread on, uh, on the subreddit. Uh, we'll start making them on the website too, for people who are website users and want to talk about that. So, so that's our show. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy, as well as our Twitter at fem.strat, as well as our website, the female dating strategy.com. Thanks for listening, Queens. And for all you scrotes out there, keep your feedback to yourself. Die mad. (laughs) 